Um, man, we've got a lot of a lot of life and a lot of love in our church. We've got two engagements. Congratulations, guys. Brian and Courtney. And yeah. Stand up so we can embarrass y'all. It's gonna be great. And Buddy and somebody else. Where's that? She, she done let. She R U N O F T. There she is. Yay, there she is. <laughs> she showed her ring. For all those in the internet world, she showed us her ring. So congratulations, guys. Um, it's, been, uh, it's been quite an interesting uh, several years, even, you know, getting to know everybody, even after the merge and the two, our two churches that merged together and then seeing the life that's kind of come out of some of that. And I think it's interesting. I just kind of thought about this because I don't know what I'm going to do with this sermon. It's way too long. Um, so what, y'all cool? We're just going to hang out. I might talk about it a little bit. We'll just hang out and talk. Um, since we're talking about testimonies, this is kind of a testimony too. <laughs> I'll tell everybody else's story. No, uh, just seeing even just walking alongside uh, Brian. You know, Brian and I became friends way before the church churches merged. We just started talking about grace and about Bible and and just, you know, kind of grew closer together. You know, and the Lord was really cool to see. Um, I told y'all from the, from the beginning before we had the first grace conference, you know, Brian was so enamored when he began to understand kind of the finished work and grace. He would run around with like pins in his mouth and grace grenades just throwing them everywhere. <laughs> like he was just so excited about it and, and it got me excited and he would, he would ask, uh, he would ask some really good questions. Those similar to the one I got the other day, someone asked me and I had to process them. Like I'd, you know, he texts me this real deep question. I'm like, man, I got to think about this, you know, and really, really talk about it. So it's really cool to walk alongside and and see, you know, y'all's relationship grow, and you guys get to know each other, and then getting to know Courtney's been really cool, um, and kind of hearing some of her background and hearing her testimony, and I'm not going to give you all the details. Y'all can talk to her about it, or we'll video it at some point <laughs> if we continue to do that. Um, and then, you know, Buddy and Angela, the same thing. I mean, just kind of, we've known we've known Angela longer, so she's our better friend. Um, <laughs> but, Buddy, you're... That's a bit of an, a bit of a backstory to that. <laughs> so what Buddy said was, when you need to move something real quick, call Angela. What happened yesterday was, uh, we went over to, or I, I volunteered myself to go help Brett move his move their trailer to the back of the property. It's like a house trailer, not like a trailer trailer, which is a pretty major ordeal. And <laughs> but Buddy asked me what I was doing. I was like, oh, we're gonna go over to, to, uh, <laughs> to Brett's, and uh, we're gonna move something real quick. Then we're gonna shoot guns. <laughs> he showed up and he was like, move something real quick. This is a house. <laughs> so we were there all day moving it. It was, it was fun. <laughs> but it was funny because the whole time he was like, you literally said we're going to move something real quick. You left out a lot of details there. I'm not going to say that was intentional, but that was intentional. <laughs> you didn't ask. He said guns. <laughs> he said guns. That sounded fun. I'm pretty good at that. Like, hey, we're going to do something really fun, but first we're going to do something else real quick, like move out an entire house. <laughs> so, fair warning, if you get a text from me to do something fun and something before that, it may, it may, be, it may involve something else, so. Just show, no, don't show up late. Don't show up late. Listen, we supplied Buddy with several popsicles. We ate so many popsicles yesterday. I've never, I don't know how we ate so many popsicles. We ate like two cases of popsicles. It was really hot yesterday, so anyway. Why am I telling you all this? All right, buddy, it's your fault. Buddy and Angela, we're friends. We're good friends. 
I'm thankful to have been through some, I'm not thankful, but at the same time, you know, some of the hard times you guys dealt with, we kind of, you know, we're, we're with you guys kind of walking side by side and seeing some of that stuff happen. And then to see the redemption, even after we heard uh, the testimony, you know, from Bill and, and all, you know, everything that kind of came from the history and everything of that. And, um, but same thing, some of the, some of the bad stuff that we, we think sometimes is almost like we're not going to come out of this or it's almost hopeless. It can feel hopeless at times. I know, you know, all of us have felt that way at times, but to see some of the things that are beginning to come out of that is amazing. Um, and I'm thankful just to be, I always say, I'm just thankful to be in the room when God begins to do things. And I think, you know, both of you guys, y'all's relationship is strong. And I think it's a very good example of, of both of those things of something good coming from kind of, kind of some bad stuff. So I'll let y'all tell your detailed story. I'm not going to give all y'all's background. Y'all can, y'all can talk about that, but I think it's really cool. Um, we did talk about testimony last week about uh, the word picture and, and the eye and the door and the, and the difference of not just seeing something happen as though that's a really neat thing, but actually walking through it and experiencing it. I think that's really important that we recognize that, that we, we carry that kind of power, ultimately, that, we, that God cares so much for us that he wants. Like that blew me away when I, when I think about how much you know, for I remember in early when I first got saved in, in my early Christian days, I guess, I would think about, you know, can't wait to, <laughs> sounds odd saying, you know, like I can't wait to die and go to heaven, you know, or can't wait to see heaven, which is, I think it's going to be glorious, and I, I, do, I genuinely can't wait. But at the same time, I realize now how great, how much God wants to be with us now. Like to see that in reverse, um, what reminded me of that this morning, which was a little unexpected, was one of my kids wrote, uh, I, I love you, Dad, on one of my notes. And it was real little, and I didn't catch it until this morning. And, and uh, it made me think about how that love looks from a father's perspective to a kid. And that just blew me away. And when I began to think about how much we desire heaven and to experience heaven, um, God desires us to experience heaven right now, too. He desires so much for, for us to have a relationship with him that he, he went through all the trouble of, of sending himself, as a, really sending his son, sending himself as human so that we could have a restored relationship. So when we talk about this testimony thing, um, I think we, we don't need to just glide past it really quickly. We need to really recognize that what we're carrying is very powerful. When we, when we tell our story, it's not just our story, although it's unique to us. It's always his story. It's, it's God that's doing the thing. So we're not boasting in, oh, look at what I've accomplished in this Christian life. And that was something else I, I struggled with early on in, in Christian living was I would hear little phrases and little I call kind of Christianese um, that would sound very self-righteous, which I guess it was, um, about how, you know, we, we made it through this, we worked really hard, and then we get this reward kind of thing, which is a, a world system. It's not the kingdom system. The kingdom system is very disproportionate. The kingdom system gives you much more than you deserve. That scripture about uh, when you give something, you get it back, pressed down, overflowing, that, that's not about we use that for money, for whatever reason we use it for offering. That's, in context, that's not what that's about. That's about anything as far as how the kingdom works is, is, is disproportionate. So if you give judgment a little bit, try it. You'll get a lot more back. It'll be pressed down, overflowing. But if you give love and if you give compassion, if you give mercy, that's what you get in return. So the, the way the kingdom works is really disproportionate. It doesn't work like our kingdom. And so when we give testimony, it's not testimony about what we've done. It's testimony about, it's testimony about what God has done in our lives. And so when I, th when I think about even that little note this morning, I think about, those days when I was younger thinking about how hopeless my life was and how pointless it was and how I never imagined family, kids, or anything like that, I always thought, 
the worst was coming. I just, it was always there for whatever reason. It was what I thought was going to happen was bad things are going to happen. It's just a matter of time. And so f to recognize, even now, just seeing a little note from one of my kids, re realizing where God has taken me, not where I've made it, you know, doesn't mean I don't work. It doesn't mean I don't care or make sacrifices. I do all those things. But those things in and of themselves, I have no reason to boast. And I think none of us really do. Um, there is, there is, you know, a cost. There is work. There are things to be done. But in those things, the beauty of, of really God doing all the heavy lifting there allows us to be able to enjoy this life as we work. You know, I, I use this as an example just because it's fresh on memory. We were out in the heat yesterday, and we were lifting stuff, and I've, you know, a lot of manual labor and, and stuff like that. And it's not something I would say, you know what, I can't wait to go lift a bunch of cinder blocks and crawl up underneath, you know, something and get some spider webs. I, that's, but we had a blast. You could, yeah, buddy can. He loves doing that. Call, you text him, just let him know you're going to do something fun at the same time. But, uh, <laughs> but it's not something I normally would say, hey, I can't wait to do that. But I was thinking, hey, I get to hang out. You know, I hadn't hung out with, with Brett in a little bit, and, and I suckered Buddy into coming, so that was kind of fun. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, Nick showed up a little bit. And, and so we, we did. We shot guns a little bit, but we, we ended up working. But it wasn't the work so much as it was the, the, the community that we had, the fellowship that we had in the process. And I know I've talked about this before, um, but it's so... If you recognize it, it makes life so much better. Um, if you recognize it day to day, uh, it, 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 makes things, it makes things go much smoother. It doesn't make everything perfect. There are things that we struggle with and that we deal with and that we're frustrated about. I was frustrated this morning. Um, it doesn't change those things, but it gives us something inside that can transform our perspective about everything that's going on around us. So I will skip to the, the one main scripture I kind of wanted to end up on. Um, and we'll talk about just briefly. Um, and so our testimony is essentially a restored relationship with our creator. It's not just that you get to go to heaven when you die, although that's a great, incredible bonus that we get. But it's God putting his deposit uh, in our hearts. And it's funny that uh, Angela mentioned this from Ecclesiastes this morning um, about everything is beautiful in its time. And another part of that verse says that he has placed eternity in our hearts. And so it's amazing when we say, he follows up, everything is beautiful in his time, and he says he placed eternity in our hearts, basically saying everything is beautiful because he creates time. <laughs> so he has created everything beautiful, and it will be beautiful in its time because he's the one that does it. He's the author and finisher, so he knows our end from our beginning. That's just a sidebar. I just thought about that, that she said that, and it was pretty interesting. So the, the, the focus and the goal for the Christian and the focus and the goal for us as Christians is to receive and understand that we have a reconciled, we have a restored relationship with the Father, but not only that, we get to tell other people about it. That's our testimony. We get to tell other people about how God and man are good together, and that is, is individually important, and God cares enough to, to do that individually, but he cares enough corporately to, to demonstrate that even in church, in the body, that we are his hands and feet. So John 14, 23 says, um, Jesus speaks, says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will, and we will come to them and make our home in the in the the word there is Monet, which means mansion, make our home with them. Um, and the only other time it mentions that term mansion or, or Monet um, is, is before it in John 14, 2. And it says, my father's house, meaning mansion, same word, Monet. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you I'm going to there to prepare a place for you? So what he's saying is, this is not, and he says over and over about the kingdom of heaven, it's not a geographical location. It's not about eat and drink. It's not about religion. Um, that the kingdom is more than that. It's bigger than that. And what he's saying is not only the kingdom of heaven is not just some geographical location past that ceiling tile somewhere that you get to go when you die, 
but he is giving you the keys of the kingdom. He is placing a deposit in your heart of the kingdom of heaven. So the, the beauty of that is God cares enough to be with you right now. You don't have to die to experience it. Bonus, <laughs> you don't have to die, right? You know, you don't have to physically die to experience it. Now, your old self may have to die, <laughs> but you, don't, you, don't, you can experience the kingdom right now. That's an amazing thing. That's the kind of thing that we share. That's the testimony. When we say, when we tell other people, we give them our story and we tell them how God has affected our lives and all the things that he has done, when they hear that, when they see that in our lives, not only will they try to understand it, but they can actually walk through that same door. They can actually experience the same thing that you experience because when you say it, that can become a reality to them. We even sang about the, you're, you're, you're our life, you're our reality. This is the reality that we find ourselves in. So Ephesians 1.3 says, praise be, to, praise be, and there's a lot here, so much here. We'll try, to, we'll try to cover the main highlights of it, but I could probably preach three sermons off this one section. Ephesians 1.3 says, praise be to God and the Father, our Lord, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Catch the past tense there. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, catch all these in hymns, verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us. With wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery, amen, the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect with the times, when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Uh, verse 11, it says, in him, here's another in him, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be, might be for the praise of his glory, and also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. This is the continuation. This is the thing that started me on this whole spark about testimony being over and over and over again. So it's saying... Verse 13, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And then we'll jump down to verse 22 just for time's sake. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fulfillment of him who fills everything in every way. So we see uh, a pattern here of in hymns. In him we were chosen. In him we're redeemed. In him he has given us the Holy Spirit and we are sealed. And so in him we boast. In him we give testimony. And in him the gospel is actually reproduced. So when we give this testimony, when we talk to people about what God has done in our lives, we boast in everything that he's done in him. None of these things happen separate from him. So when we give testimony, it's not that, hey, look at the things that we've done or the things that we've accomplished. Look at what God's done. Look at what, look at what, look at what my life looks like because... I'm now an heir and co-heir with Christ, and he, we now co-labor together. We now, um, we're now the, the hands and feet of God on earth. We now carry the kingdom everywhere we go. So you're not just making this checklist of people. I'm going to try to get people saved so that they can go to heaven when they die, which was the, the hallmark of, of 
church when I went to church originally after I got saved. We need to get everybody saved so that they can go to heaven when they die. Well, what do we do now? Is that it? Is that, is that our only purpose? And what led me to really digging into scripture and seeing what the kingdom was helped me to understand that it's much more than that. God, God didn't only die so that you can go to heaven. God died so that, God died, Jesus died so that we could have a restored relationship and share that with the people that are around us. And it's not a, a passive thing, it's an aggressive thing. The same thing we talked about this morning, that, that he would step in between people and free them from their sin. That he would step in between, he would go out of his way to search for the coin, to leave the 99 for the one. That he is so personal. The discussion we had in the foyer was about the adulteress and how uh, nobody knows what Jesus was writing in the sand. And we, we, as we were discussing in the foyer, we looked at two different perspectives that we had both seen. One was that Jesus was trying to get the attention of the accusers on him instead of her because she would have been shameful. Um, the other version that I've adopted too is that she was getting down to catch her gaze because she would have been, she, it says she was drug out in the very act, so whether she was basically naked or half naked, she was drug out in the street publicly and humiliated. And so Jesus takes the time to, to, get, to get to kneel down. This is God of the universe, kneels down and begins to doodle in the sand, whether it's to catch their attention or hers or both. He has now captured everyone's attention to what Jesus is really good at doing. And basically is saying, look, you, you guys who have sinned, have not sinned, you guys cast the first stone. Let's, let's, let's look at these things in perspective. Jesus took the time to meet with the Pharisees, you know, in a dark alley somewhere. He'd sit there and talk to Nick. Jesus takes the time to meet with you when you need him. He takes the time to, to put you in a position that you can meet with somebody else when they need you. This is how personal God is. Um, I love that when we do get to meet in here and we get to discuss these things, um, we talk about iron sharpening iron. When, 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 and, and the same Brian said, you know, last year, I think when he spoke, uh, it might have been the year before, he said, you know, we're like a breathing, we're like a living organism. You know, we, I may speak something, but you speak something back. We, we all have something to say. It's not just me, just because I have a mic. Um, and so I want to give a brief opportunity because I've taken, we, we just, time is just weird now, so. But I want to give an opportunity for you guys to kind of respond. I don't want it just to be me saying anything. I, I can't really get to everything that I wanted to say in the time that we have. But I did want to get to the point about in him. And I want to see if you guys, um, and we're still, we're going to have a time of prayer after this. We've got, um, I know that, that Margaret's been in the hospital back and forth, and we've got some issues with her. And we want to make intercession before we leave. So um, we're going to do that. But before we get to that, I want to give you guys an opportunity to talk about. Uh, I'm not looking necessarily for as much testimonies today as we did last week, but um, just maybe some feedback on what you've seen as far as your testimony goes or others that we can recognize that we boast in him, that we recognize that it's not just our abilities and our accomplishments that we make, but it's, it's focused on what God has done in our lives and what that looks like. Um, what do you guys, you guys have anything? Do we have a Donahue mic? Oh, you young people don't know who Donahue is? It's like James Springer. Um, the story of the prodigal son or the prodigal father, um, as, a, as a person who's been in church all her life, just a few years ago, that story, I, I awakened to the fact that the father required nothing of the son when he came back. He was so thrilled to see him. He brought out a ring and a robe, and he didn't even ask him to take a bath <laughs> before he put that right. robe on. And he held him. The Lord doesn't require us to take a bath 
every time we come to him, he nailed sin to the cross. Right. All of our failings. And he doesn't even see them anymore. Right. He hugs us in our dirt <laughs> and doesn't even smell it. And I am so grateful. Right. I love the, the picture there even of the ring and the robe. Just making sure that he knows that he's a son. You're a part of the family. This is who you are. It's an identity thing. So for, for whatever reason, we focused on all, like you said, we focused on the bath. We focused on the stinky. You know, well, you, yes, you know, God accepts you like you are, but, and we put a big butt in the way that shouldn't be there. Um, <laughs> I mean, genuinely, it's usually us if we're, <laughs> if we're the ones saying that. So we put this big butt in the way instead of actually caring enough for people um, to get to know them. And in the relationship, you can actually begin to see transformation from the inside out. Instead, many times we would, <laughs> it's funny, we talk about, you know, the, the parable about casting seeds. We're supposed to cast seeds. We can't make them grow anyway. But how many times have we sit there yelling at seeds to grow? <laughs> would you just grow? What's wrong with you? Why won't you grow? Um, the same thing with the, the whole transformation of a, of a caterpillar to a butterfly. So you can scream all day at a cocoon. It's, sometimes it takes time for these things to happen if it's a real transformation. What we want is we want something quick to happen. We want it to happen right away. We want results. We want ROI. I've invested in this, and I want to get something back out of it. The, the good news about us boasting in him is that we can take that off the table. There's no ROI. We're, God has invested everything. We haven't. We get to collate. We get to be a part of what God's doing. And so when we're in these relationships and we get to witness the transformation that only God can do, I, I, I hope to free someone here. Only God can do this. You can't. Can you be a part of it? Sure. I hope so. I hope we're all a part of it. But only God's the one that can. We cast the seeds. We water when we can. God's the one that, that causes the things to grow. The Holy Spirit, in, in my personal opinion, thus saith the, the, great, what was the great Waikiki. <laughs> thus saith. <laughs> that's what, Haley had her wisdom teeth out, and I think she might have been on the drugs, and she called me the great Waikiki, so that's my new name. <laughs> the great Waikiki. Thus saith the great Waikiki. Um, I don't forgot what I was going to say. What was I talking about? That, that, Holy Spirit, I feel like a lot. <laughs> it's how quick. Welcome to, my, welcome to my world. It's how quickly I'm distracted. Um, the Holy Spirit, I, I believe, and I'll just say for me, I'm not going to say in general because I don't know everybody else in every other church, but for me, I think that we neglect the Holy Spirit too much in this whole process. We try to shortcut the Holy Spirit. We do. We try, to, we try to make things happen, and so we start creating all these extra things that we have to polish and shine up and make do this and help and help. <laughs> we try to help the Holy Spirit constantly when, if we would just submit to what God's already doing, we could have much, a much more enjoyable time co-laboring with Christ because he's taken the weight. He says, take my yoke. To, this is, look, <laughs> I'm going to do, do the heavy lifting. You just get to be a part of it. You get to take the light yoke, and he's going to do all the, all the hard work. Bill? So it's almost like the Holy Spirit is saying, you know, if, like you said, all the polishing and the, and the Holy Spirit's sitting there saying, well, that's pretty and all, and I appreciate your effort, but it's completely unnecessary. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, do, I do think that uh, I feel like if the Holy Spirit was texting, he would have a face palm like as his number one, his number one thing to send. Like, oh, I love you guys, but come on. I feel like Jesus did that a lot when he was on earth with the disciples, but we... I think that we, in, I think in, in, with good intentions, I don't think there's a lot of people that are maliciously trying to shortcut the Holy Spirit. I'll say that. With good intentions, I think that we, 
Yeah, I think that we try, we try really hard to do things that only the Holy Spirit can do instead of really digging into Scripture, really praying, and really understanding the heart of God, and then just living that out. It's as simple as that. Once, once we really get it, once we begin to see it and our minds begin to be renewed to the reality of, of what God's doing in our lives, it should be a very natural progression to begin to reach out to people and love people and help people and, and, and do the things that are, many of us in the early stages were trying really hard to do and could never do. Now all of a sudden I can do these things and it's like, this is really cool. I didn't even know that I could do this kind of stuff. I didn't know that I had this kind of boldness or that I was, you know, all the things that, especially young people, when I talk to youth a lot, they're intimidated by, well, I don't know the scriptures enough or I don't know enough to do this or, I, you know, what if they ask a question I can't answer? All legitimate questions that we struggle with too, but a lot of young people struggle with this. What if, what if, what if, what if? When God doesn't tell you to know everything, he never commands you to figure it all out and fix everybody's problems. He commands you to love. That's his commandment, love, 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 love. And if, if you can receive it, you can give it. It's, it's the whole, I, we love because he first loved us, not just because he first loved us, because we don't possess the power to love that way until he gives it to us. So it's just receiving that love, recognizing that it's for us, that we're sons and daughters and we're cared for, and then giving that out to everyone freely completely unconditional. That's hard to do. I don't know, I don't know if you're breathing <laughs> and awake, but that's very difficult to do because you want people to not make the same mistakes they make over and over again. I want that as much as you do. But there's something greater at work here than just good behavior. There's something greater at work here that needs you and I to be Christ's representation on earth and love people and get in between people and, and their accusers and their sin and, and let them realize that it's not a sin issue, it's an identity issue, and that they are known by, the, by their father. And that will change them forever. That will not just take care of this one issue that you're frustrated that they're dealing with. I, and I don't, I'm kind of sidebarred here, so hang with me. But if you, if you get to, it's like trimming hedges and cutting grass. It's annoying. I hate it. But you, it never stops. But if you pull it up from the root, you don't have to worry about it anymore. The same thing, when we try to shortcut the Holy Spirit, we're just trimming hedges constantly, and we're, we're, we're running around like a hamster wheel in circles trying to fix everybody, and we're all frustrated, they're frustrated, and we're frustrated, when if we would get to the root of the problem, which is identity in Christ and the love that God has for them, get that worked out, take the time to build relationship and let them know who they are, the, root, the fruit becomes much better when you deal with the root. If you're constantly just trying to place fruit on people, it don't work. So um, the, the comment I made about... Um, the Holy Spirit saying that's pretty and all. I don't want people to think that I was suggesting that we don't need to be involved. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody here understands that. Yeah, yeah. But the, the key is, like you were saying, is you've got to be hence sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but we also need to remember that we're hand, the hands and feet. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's not like we have to just sit back and not do anything. No, no, not at all. The key is you just got to have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and that's something that I have begun praying because I used to pray you know, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Like every day I would, I would pray, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And then one day it hit me, well, now wait a minute. I mean, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> right, you right. Know? And so then, it be, then so now my prayer is, Lord, help me to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Help me to hear your voice and to do the things you want me to do. Yeah, amen. That's good. Yes. Um, so what you're saying about like striving and Ephesians 1 and stuff, I had such like a, I guess in my past, I was so like, oh, I wish I could be like the people of great faith, you know, like 
Billy Graham and Heidi Baker and like all of these great people. And I'm like, oh, if I could just be like good enough, then maybe someday I'll be able to walk in those giftings. And I mean, it's obviously that's not true because it says that um, in, hi- in him we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who's mm-hmm. the guarantee of our inheritance. And what is our inheritance? Well, it's him, but it's right. also like it says also in Ephesians 1 um, that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing on heaven or in heaven and on and earth, on earth right. which means that it doesn't just because when when we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we can do anything because it's not it's not us. It's, it's him. him. Right. So it's like I feel like the devil tries to lie to us so much that you're not good enough to walk out in the gifts of the spirit. When Jesus said greater works than these, you would do. Right. And, and he also says, as he is, so are we in this world. Yeah. So we, we get to function from a separate kingdom in this world right now. We, we, that's a gift. I mean, that's an, that's an incredible gift that we get to function from a separate kingdom than we're actually living in. So we, we can recognize what's going on in the kingdom of heaven, and heaven can be happening in areas on earth. These deposits can be made right now. And so I love, I got a kind of a, another picture. I get a lot of pictures sometimes. Um, but like the whole fruit thing, fr- uh, I've seen, like, uh, the fake fruit. Have you ever seen the fake? It's, like, plastic or whatever. Um, I, th- I feel like that's the way that, you know, early in early stages I wanted to be, you know, polished and shiny and look good and, and do all the right things or whatever. But if you bit into plastic fruit, it would be poisonous. It would not be good for you. It would not be edifying. But the real fruit, I think, that when we begin to recognize who we are and the identity in Christ and the, the, that f- the real fruit begins, begins to be produced, it's not reproducing fake people. It's reproducing Christ in people. So I think the difference, I just got that picture for whatever reason. I don't know if that's for somebody in here or just me. Um, but the big difference, I think, in what I was, what I, the hamster wheel that, that I was running in, in religion was trying my best <laughs> to reproduce more fake fruit, honestly. I was, I was trying really hard to do things, but I was not producing anything healthy at all. Um, I was hurting myself and I was hurting other people around me because I was trying to shortcut the Holy Spirit constantly. But when, when you recognize that you have this Holy Spirit all the time, um, and just like Bill was saying, we... We pray that we recognize um, that he is there and we're sensitive to what he's doing. We get to be a part of something much greater than ourselves. We get to um, see things that we and experience things that we would never be able to experience. And I'm telling you, it's not, it's not just stuff or things or, or, or even experiences in and of themselves, but it's that you get to do them with him. And, and the, the very second thing that he commands us after loving him is loving others, we also get to sue, sue, don't sue anyone. <laughs> We also get to see those things reproduced in other people, which is a miracle in and of itself. So when you, it's like double double happy time. You get to experience, and then you get to have other people experience it, and then you get to see those things begin to multiply. But like we always say, you have to recognize that you have something to give away. If you're just trying to give away fake fruit, you're going to reproduce the same fake thing. We don't need more fake fruit. We don't need people behaving so that they look good. We need people transformed from the inside out so that they can reproduce other people that are transformed from the inside out. Yes. Um, you know, the word says, if you abide in the vine, you'll, you'll bear much fruit. If you abide in me, you'll, you'll bear much fruit. And um, I don't know about you, but there's, there's been times in the past where there's been, like, spiritual gifts surveys or spiritual gift assessments in some churches. That was a thing. And um, while I, I understand that there could be some value in that, for me personally, whenever that came around, I felt like, I feel like I'm being asked to, to put a box around who I am 
Um, and it's, it, I was reminded of, if, if you ask a two, if, if trees could talk, if you ask a two-year-old apple tree, you know, have you ever had any apples before? And he might say, well, no, I, I guess I haven't. Maybe I'm not really an apple tree. And ignoring the fact that as he grows, he being the tree, as it grows, you reach a point of maturity where you start reproducing, where you start having fruit. And in the fruit, by the way, is seed. And where that seed goes, it reproduces right. and brings other, tree, other fruit, you know. Plus, you have a talking tree. Yeah. <laughs> you, get, you get charged admission. Sorry, I try to, I try to, see, <laughs> try to see all the positives. But the, but the point is, if, you know, if, if I've never done this or that thing, it doesn't mean I never will. Right. I don't want that. I don't want that mental thing. To say just because I've never done those things doesn't mean that uh, as I grow, as I press into God and allow His Spirit to grow in me, yeah, and he, that I won't do that stuff. Each acorn is an oak tree. Yeah. I mean, each each little thing, and we want. Yeah, it's it's our it's our impatience and ignorance that wants that wants people to do more things than to to recognize who they really are. Um, I think it. I think it's a. I think it's a maturity thing that when we can begin to recognize some of the people's, uh, when we, let me see how I can word this. I think it's, we have grown a bit or we are more mature when we can recognize that when people come at us or are having issues or angry or whatever, that they're dealing with something, not just to react in a way that, that we need to argue with them. There's, a, there's a, a freedom in knowing that not only do you have the answer pretty much to everyone's problems, but that you don't have to figure it all out on your own, that you can just be there for someone and care for them through something and pray for them constantly and see the Holy Spirit do something in them that you could never do on your own. It seems like, and when, when you say that, when I say it out loud, it almost seems like a cop-out. Like, well, then what do I do? I don't do anything. No, you do a lot. You do pray. You genuinely pray for these people. And what that does is it puts you in a position when you're praying for someone, especially, even and especially your enemies, um, when you pray for them, it puts you in a better position the next time you actually see them to, to speak life into them and not react to what they're doing, right? So when, when they say that thing that, that makes you stand up and get aggravated, I know y'all don't deal with that, but I do. Um, when, they, when, they, <laughs> when they post that thing or whatever it is and you're like, oh, you, and you type out three different responses and then delete them. Y'all ever do that? Don't do this. Don't do this. Think about this. But when you take a step back and you pray and go, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to love. I'm supposed to pray. Let me pray about this. And you pray about it. <laughs> this is so funny and so normal. I don't know why it's, this shouldn't be a surprise to us. God changes your perspective and changes your heart. Every time I do that, um, even in relationships with your spouse or with your whoever it is, you're, you're aggravated, you're frustrated, go and pray about it. You pray about it, God will change your perspective. He'll remind you of who you are. <laughs> I mean, he, not in a bad way. And it's not like, oh, sometimes it is like, oh, wow. I was going to be a jerk and look at me. Uh, so, but I mean, if you, if you do that, it's, it's pretty clear in Scripture to do this all, often. Um, if you do that, it changes your perspective. It changes how you relate to people if you'll actually recognize that. So I encourage that. Yes. <laughs> a few months ago, I felt like God was just taking me down the path of um, how I was received into Christ. And you said earlier about the seeds, all these seeds are dropped, but we don't, we don't, we're not responsible for them growing. Right. And I remember at one of our Gen X meetings so many years ago, um, Mark saying, oh yeah, you have to have like 27 seeds before it sets in or something. Do you remember something I do. like yeah, that? Yeah, it was like a scale I don't thing. remember what the number was, yeah. but um, 
I felt a few months ago that God was just walking me down through my life, showing me these little seeds that were planted. And, um, and at the end of the whole thing, and as I just started to marvel in this idea that uh, through that whole time, you know, I was the 99 that was, I was the one <laughs> that was being pursued and the others were not, you know, like it, he put on my heart, the two words were your worthy pursuit. And it just hit my, <laughs> it hit me so hard because I was like, wow, to be thought of as a worthy pursuit by the God of the universe is pretty big, you yeah. know? And, but in, in that he said, but you're not the only one. Like, if you are a worthy pursuit, then every person around you is the one right. that I'm willing to just go and hunt for and search for. And, you know, we're all the ones that are dropping seeds in people's lives all along the way. And just how beautiful that is that one day they are going to kneel before God. You know, every knee will bow and tongue will confess. I mean, that's such a promise. Like, I just love that. And yeah. Anyway, so it's nice to look at people and think, you're a worthy pursuit. You know? You're a worthy pursuit. And that's, that's the same kind of picture I saw this morning with us thinking about how great heaven is, that God thinks how great we are, and we're not worth him thinking that we're great, but he thinks that we are. He cared enough, and I love that he chose to cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. That was his decision. He, he chose that he wanted to know us so much that he took out the barrier, which was sin. He took out, um, you know, all, all the inner courts and all those things that we had to go through. He took out the, the, the sacrifices that had to be offered over and over and over again that could never take away the sins of the world. And then he offered the ultimate sacrifice that once and for all took care of those. He did all these, all these things that we talk about just kind of like commonplace in church. He did all these things so that he could know you and you could know him. And not just the stuff that we do evidenced by us, you know, well, haven't I done these things? Haven't I done these things? Cast out demons? No, he said, no, I need, I need to know you. That my heart is to know you and for you to know me. The stuff is cool. I want, I want you to experience the stuff. The stuff is great. Yeah, that's cool. Do that stuff. But a gift you don't beg for. You don't, you don't say, oh, you know, I've never been to a birthday party, you know, or an adult one. I guess I haven't, where they just begged everyone, where's my gift? Where's my gift? Where's my gift? I need a gift. Are you going to give me my gift? Where's my gift? You know, when you give a gift, it's, hey, I want to give you this gift, you know. So I, I don't know where we got turned around with this whole striving thing when it just says to strive to enter into his rest. And he constantly tells us that he's going to take this, this burden. He's going to take the hard part. And we get to be, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's disproportionate. It's not fair. But you get to enjoy the Lord every day. And then one day when you physically die, and we will, you get to enjoy him every day again. It's like win-win. It's a zero-sum game. All right. So <laughs> brought that one back. Yeah, we forgot about it. All right. So what, what we want to do, um, uh, Chuck, will you come up here? Um, we're we're going to make intercession for Margaret today. Uh, we'll pray if you guys, however you want to do it. We can stretch our stretch your hands out or whatever. It doesn't. The Holy Spirit's not discouraged by how we do it. Um, but I want you guys to be. In, I would like to.